Morning, church. Uh, Isaiah 55, you've got a Bible this morning, or, yep, on the screen behind us. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon the nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to God and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst forth into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord renowned for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Amen. Please, let's pray uh, as I start. Merciful Father, thank you for that reminder that, um, like the rain on dry ground, will always spring forth with fresh green and fresh flower. So your word will never return to you empty. Uh, your word, irrevocable, unstoppable, beautiful, and life-changing. Please, uh, will you do uh, and achieve your purposes of grace in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds this morning, uh, that your word may return to you, um, springing forth uh, in faith and in wonder, in joy, uh, in thanksgiving and worship of you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You'll see a bit of an outline uh, where we're going there inside the leaflet for those who would like to follow along, take notes and the passage on the other side uh, as well. And um, I couldn't have uh, written for a better introduction than what Paul Harrington gave uh, in that little uh, um, update earlier, uh, helping us to think about the year that's been um, and realising that um, for people in every era, uh, to be human is to have the same fears, the same loves, the same hopes, the same desires, the same insecurities and uncertainties. Um, uh, for those of us who've grown up in different eras, whether uh, the uncertainty uh, of depression, uh, you know, would there be a meal the following day? Growing up in world wars, um, would there be a knock on the door? Uh, would a bomb fall? Um, the uncertainty uh, of growing up in the latter half, especially of the 20th century, uh, and still today in so many parts of the world. And uh, it's been a year uh, with a virus raining down, if you like, on us all. Um, and uh, indiscriminate, unstoppable, uh, and we've been reacting uh, and dealing with it as best as we can. 
so whatever you may or may not be feeling, it's a good chance uh, that people around you here this morning, but also people we, we just live and play and do life with, um, that actually um, in a moment of openness, that, that quite probably and quite possibly, um, that's exactly uh, what they're feeling and thinking uh, as well. And as I said, we were looking to uh, just each, um, each of these next four talks over the, over the next three weeks, just to think about one aspect uh, of, of Jesus in particular and how that might uh, bring us something uh, of that joy and the wonder uh, of Christmas as well. And today we're thinking about peace. Um, and I don't know how you would answer that question. Uh, do you currently feel at peace in your life, your relationships, your workplace, your uh, your neighbourhood. Um, it's not too long ago, but can anyone remember that fateful Wednesday afternoon? What, four weeks ago now, the announcement at 12 o'clock. <laughs> uh, the mad scrambling. Uh, within hours, the shelves are empty again. Would it be two days, two weeks, two months? Who knew? Um, and that's the... Uh, that's the state of the world at the moment. But as you think about peace, to be human, I think, it's one of those things in our lives. Uh, we long for it. We search for it. Uh, we, we vote for it. And we sing about it. Because there is so much unpeace uh, in, our, at, you know, in our homes, in our lives, if we're, if we're willing to be true. Uh, but also just unpeace in the world around us. And what a year it's been. Now, our experience of three months in lockdown, uh, we had unexpectedly all our family home uh, and uh, it, was, it was that sort of uh, peace and quiet uh, for a lot of us, you know, the big slowdown, the decluttering um, and as we learned to do life online. But for many it has meant a, lot, meant a lot of disruption, it's brought a lot of disruption in our lives um, and a number of us have felt the, the agony of being distanced from loved ones, uh, just not being able to go. You've got all the means, but no, you can't go. Uh, especially um, the agony of not being able to be there for those uh, who uh, have passed away in the year that's been. Some of us have been derailed in our work. Exams put off, uh, you know, or, or work as well, just completely derailed. Some of us, of course, have experienced the demise of a job demise of a business all those dreams all those sort of plans for the future suddenly they're just a pile of rubble on the side of the road um, and as I said uh, for numbers of us uh, you know death waits for no man or woman and uh, and sadly for a number of us death and, and, and the shadow of its grief has come uh, too near to our homes or our loved ones as we think about the world's ongoing attempts uh, I've called them peace to bring peace in our lives, attempts, peace trains. We've got you know, our hope in the medical fraternity to bring some sort of peace and order with a vaccine that may or may not be safer to have or not and, and to take. Um, politically, of course, um, as Paul mentioned, you know, the Black Lives Matter has just been one of uh, a dozen um, you know, movements, if you like, uh, in our world around race and injustice and all sorts of things going on. We've had our marches and through history there's always been the peace marches, um, the riots and the unrest. In the US we've had a new leader elected. Again, um, with a new leader elected politically, it's funny how weeks and months follows is that idealistic sort of 
hope, you know, maybe this is the guy, you know. Um, a leader elected that we, we're, well, the whole world really is hoping can, can unify and bring peace to an increasingly divided country uh, and troubled world. History teaches us that, um, again, this unpeace is not new, though. Uh, you've only got to look at the monuments, the monuments to peace around the world. And um, being in Europe at the start of last year, which just feels like about three decades ago now, um, and, and those parts of the world, you know, the Peace Palace in the Hague City, um, you've got... Um, it houses the, the Permanent Court of Arbitration, an international court out the front of the Peace Palace uh, in 2002. Um, someone thought it'd be good to have a peace flame that burns eternally, um, encouraging people to sort of go on peaceful marches wherever uh, there's unrest in the world. Of course, the ongoing military attempts to bring peace with UN, UN peacekeeping forces and missions. But of course... Um, the music industry, um, especially of late, you know, with like Wom Adelaide festivals and these music festivals where you talk to the people who go to these things, it's like, hey, brother, good, you can be a man. Yeah, music, you know, everyone sings music. Music can bring the world together and, you know, music breaks all the barriers. And so you go along to the music festivals and just for a little moment, you know, you experience, you know, in music and song, the idea of, yeah, we, the world can all be one. And, of course, the music industry down through the decades, and here's where um, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of singing over the next three weeks, not just with carols, but there's no better thing to do than to sing uh, in times of trouble. And uh, the Apostle Paul did it, you know, in the middle of a prison. So I thought we'd have a go this morning. And I'm always aware that the next generation coming on, we've got to be passing on uh, all sorts of things to the next generation. And this morning we're going to be passing on some of the greats, that, you know, the musical greats. Um, so... Um, I'm going to sort of start singing, and there's an opportunity for you to, you know, a bit like a competition actually, to finish off the verse, okay? And I'll tell you what, please do not leave me hanging out here, all right? Um, it, it's not going to be maybe quite in tune, but here we go. So uh, th there's a guy called John Lennon. Anyone heard of him? John Lennon? Okay, here we go. Um, all we are saying... Okay, you're getting there, you're getting there, okay. All we are saying. All right, here we go. And of course, there's this one. Uh, you don't have to finish this one off, but, you know, imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for and no religion to. Imagine all the people living life in peace. And, you know, in the, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the Beatles, John Lennon, all they, the best they could do was imagine a world where there was peace. But here's one of my favourites. Um, he, he was born as Stefano, uh, I can't pronounce his last name, in 1947, I think. And he changed his name at the age of 18 legally to Cat Stevens, of course. Um, one of my favourites is Peace Train. So I've been smiling lately, dreaming about the world as one, and I believe it could be. Someday it's going to come. Okay. Because out on the edge of darkness, there rides a peace train. Oh, peace train, take this country. Come take me home again. Okay. You'll get, anyway, have a listen. Have a listen. It's, um, it goes on. But again, uh, a peace train somewhere out there in the darkness that may or may not be coming to take us home again. 
we're getting to Christmas and we're getting to Jesus. <laughs> but that first Christmas, it reminds us that heaven has been singing about peace on earth way before we ever thought uh, of singing about peace on earth. The first Christmas, of course, we remember uh, God pulled the curtain back on the heavens, a choir of angels singing in response to the birth of Jesus there in Luke 2. Glory to God in the, the, the highest heaven and on earth to those on whom on earth peace, on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. And so heaven proclaiming that with the, with the birth, the arrival, the advent of Jesus has come peace on earth from heaven. And we are in the coming weeks going to be singing carols. Uh, and so this I've called a response carol. You've got to know this one, all right? Now you're warmed up. We're warmed up. So here we go. Hark the herald angels sing. Peace on earth and mercy mild. Oh, maybe, we'll just, maybe we'll just finish here and we'll just sing carols for the rest of the morning. I don't know. You guys are in voice. This is good. Now, please forgive me. Uh, at the heart of the Christian faith is forgiveness. Forgive me for my attempts at lame singing there. But anyway, you did well. Christmas will remember that Jesus is God's peace train. God's peace train that's come from heaven to earth to a world that is, if you like, at unpeace, a world that is without peace, um, to gift us peace. And of course, the whole point of any train is not to stay on the platform, it's to get on board the train uh, so the engine, that's Jesus, <laughs> can take us to our destination. Um, and that's what we remember uh, at Christmas time, that Jesus is God's peace, God's peace train for us to get on board. And Isaiah 55, it's just this beautiful mountaintop passage that captures so much of the story of the whole Bible and certainly the Old Testament. And, and, and really the whole drama of Isaiah is there just in one chapter. Uh, it it it's, tells us that God's peace train has been long promised, long promised since first humanity decide to try and go it their own way back at the beginning of history. Um, and it reminds us that this idea of peace, it's not like plan B or C, it's not a thought bubble by God. Uh, no, no, 700 years before Jesus' advent, uh, Isaiah 55, it gives us something of the backstory to this peace on earth that the arrival of Jesus would bring. And the passage divides beautifully into two Christmas invitations. The first Christmas invitation there is in the first five verses. The second um, invitation is for the whole world. And so we're going to focus first on uh, God's peace invitation uh, for you. Uh, it's very much an, an individual invitation. And the first point there is in verse 1. Have a look with me. It's, it's the invitation to come, as we were just singing, uh, in come all ye unfaithful, to come. Uh, because what God's promising is a feast like no other. Verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Come. It's the exhortation. Not once, but four times. And they're plurals. They're like, you know, come all, use all. <laughs> you know, that use all, come. Like, come together. Um, the invitation is actually for all peoples of all nations to come. There is no one who is not invited to come and be part of this feast. 
But as I said, it's personalized. So in the first three verses, so come all you. So all the yous and the yours are actually, they're singular. They're like, um, you know, come Jonathan, come David, come Heather. Like they're, they're, they're individual invitations, a bit like you might receive an individual invitation to, uh, you know, to, to a wedding. Um, you know, you're invited to come. And of course, um, the reason we can all come, see, there is enough for all. There is enough for all that we can come. But we each must, must individually RSVP. You, you've got to RSVP and come to Jesus. A friend of mine uh, with his daughter's wedding sent out um, wedding invites, uh, invited people, they got the RSVP packs. And he says someone actually rocked up to the wedding and the reception and they hadn't RSVP'd. <laughs> like they, there was no seat for them. They said, sorry, sorry, there's no seat. You can't come. We gave your seat to someone else. But yeah, we've got a RSVP. But the second thing did you hear in that first verse um, that the people who are invited to come are those who have no money. <laughs> um, which is sort of weird. That is, for those literally who are the beggars, the, the, the poverty stricken. And that's the whole point, of course, talking about uh, when it comes to uh, our fallenness, our sin, uh, there is nothing. There is nothing we can bring uh, to pay off that debt. And it, it's, it's an invitation to, well, there's no cost to come. Because the cost has been paid. Now, um, three and a half weeks ago, Cado uh, and Julianne were meant to be married at Holy Trinity. Uh, the Saturday after the Wednesday where the, the lockdown was announced. Um, when the announcement was made at 12 o'clock, uh, they organised their, their wedding ceremony to happen in five hours. <laughs> no, I kid you not. The, the full, the full, it was a full thing. And Cado's uh, um, family were from Murray Bridge. Um, they're, they're Congolese, um, and, and they, they live-streamed it to everyone uh, else. It was just like family uh, to come, but they had the whole thing, the, w- the, the wedding party. Jeff Lynn did a ripper of a job uh, uh, preaching, and he's here, and there's a live-stream camera there, and, and it was just magnificent. But last night at Bremer Farm, just down there uh, on the road to Strath, uh, Gita and I, we went along to the wedding reception three and a half weeks later. <laughs> now, that was still... I couldn't believe it. Three and a half weeks, the bridesmaids were still wearing their, their dresses. I mean, the bride came in her wedding dress. Three and a half weeks. I'm thinking, wow, whew, bit bit odorous there. But uh, I was, you know, the cake, you know. But of course they hadn't. Uh, but they, they got dressed up again. They came in and we had the wedding reception. But here's my point. Here's my point about weddings. Um, the one thing that I've never ha- seen yet on a wedding invitation, let the young generation understand here, is BYO a plate to share, will you? Uh, you know, BYO your own drinks. Um, it just doesn't happen if you're invited to the wedding and the wedding reception, does it? Uh, most other invites have something like that, but not for wedding invitations because, of course, you're invited because this is part of the couple's joy. They want you to come and enter into their joy. And we want to celebrate you. We want to celebrate our relationship with you. We want, we want you to come and celebrate our marriage, our union. And that's really a, a great picture of what's going on here. It's why no money is needed to get on board God's peace train in Jesus because it's God's joy to send Jesus to come and enter into his joy, his festivity. He's providing everything. 
that we can come for free, but also everything to feast and to celebrate with God. Why come? Well, that brings us on to verses 2 and 3 because it will satisfy like no other. Verse 2, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Mick Jagger, he sang about it. I can't get no. Yeah. Um, uh, A Christian um, bloke who lived a fair while ago called Augustine. Uh, He called it a restlessness in our souls. Uh, Boris Becker, after he'd won Wimbledon, best tennis player in the world. He's sitting on his ledge on his balcony, wondering whether to fall out of it because he is not at peace. A massive emptiness inside. I mean, I experienced six years after uh, a medical degree, first year of work, suddenly earning all this money. Uh, with all the overtime, buying all of those delayed gratification things I'd long wanted, going on overseas skiing trip holidays, friends, sort of at one level, worldly sense, having the time of my life. But another level, this increasing emptiness and like, what's going on here? There's, there's got to be more to life than this, more than living for a career and carving out you know, a comfortable life and future ahead. See, God has made you and I and neighbours, he's made us all for so much more, for spiritual food that will never spoil, for his word. It's why Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 27, that we should not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And it's why God goes on to say in verses 2 and 3 of Isaiah 55, listen, listen to me. And your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. And you can see what God's saying here. If you're going to come and enjoy the invitation, we've actually first got to receive it. We've got to hear it. We've got to hear it. We've got to hear what we're being invited to and why come. Did you notice in those verses I just read out that the invitation, the banquet, is actually an invitation to come to him, to come to God. It's God himself. He's the banquet. And of course, Jesus' arrival, God on earth, it's why we can come. Know Jesus, know God. I suspect most of us have already worked out that life is all about relationships, that when sort of those relationships that matter in our lives, when they're humming, when they're in the, you know, the sweet spot, um, life is humming. Uh, and, 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 you know, and, and, and when those relationships, you know, we're hitting the ball off the frame of the rack and it's like, oh, it's just jarring up our whole body and into our life. And life's all about relationships. A mate of mine was one Christmas morning a few years ago walking up to the service station, as he would normally do, to you know, buy some milk and... Um, you know, cheery, he's feeling extra generous. He thought he'd say good day to um, uh, this, this older lady he saw sitting on his porch. In fact, he often saw her sitting on his porch as he walked past there to the supermarket. But this morning he thought, oh, I'm going to wander over and say good day. He wanders over and, you know, good day. You know, um, uh, my, my name's, uh, my name's um, Carl, and, uh, you know, they, they exchange pleasantries and just. You know, how are you going? Merry Christmas. And, you know, you, you're doing anything for Christmas. He said, oh, well, no, not really. It's just me. And, oh, you have family? Well, yeah, I've got a daughter. And he says, oh, well, aren't you getting together with your daughter for Christmas? And, well, no, actually, um, 
about eight years ago, you know, we had this big tiff and, and she stormed out. And I haven't heard from her since. I haven't seen from her since. And, and um, yeah, she's, she's actually married and had a baby now. And actually only lives three suburbs over. But yeah. And it, it was really sad. He didn't quite know what to say. Um, but the penny dropped. My friend said he realised why she was sitting there every morning. You know, because what was she waiting for? Who was she waiting for? What was she hoping for? You know, for her daughter to come home. That's what she wanted most, for her daughter to come home, to meet her grandchildren. Jesus coming into the world is God saying that this is how it is between God and us. (laughs) There's been a massive tiff. And Jesus comes saying, God, desperately, desperately, it's what he longs for. He longs for us to come, to come home to him. And Jesus is God's provision so we can come without cost to pay the debt completely. Jesus turning up is God saying, look, this is what I want. It's what you need most. It's what the world needs most. Like to go through life, and you can go through life merrily, merrily without Jesus. But it's like driving, you know, a sports car with a lawnmower engine. (laughs) You're sort of going to get there or somewhere in the end. But gee, you're going to miss out on a lot of the fun. (laughs) Jesus is the, the engine, the high-octane fuel for life. That's what that language of waters and wine and milk and bread is meant to paint, a picture of adequacy, a richness of provision by God so we can come and enjoy God and enjoy life as, as God intended. It's a picture of a relationship with God now that's humming, a picture of peace, of joy, of, of laughter, of real hope. This is the peace Jesus comes offering in the world. And it's why a couple of verses later in John 6, uh, when people ask, what's the work we're meant to do, Jesus? And Jesus replies and he says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. But why can only Jesus, in a world of many philosophies, religions, of, of many um, many platforms, many train stations, leaving all sorts of platforms, promising to take us to all sorts of destinations. Why only Jesus? Well, because we see here um, in verses 3 to 5 that Jesus is God's promised peacemaker. You see, we need to be led into this peace. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. A thousand years before Jesus, God promised King David that a future son of David would come. And he'd be a perfect son, a perfect ruler, a perfect commander, who would be God's peacemaking king, God's peacemaking leader between people and God. And and this son, this one would be the one through whom God would lead people from all nations into his peace jesus is the promised ruler and commander god himself turning up in person does anyone remember who charlie chaplin was okay the greatest actor of the silent movie era anyway um the story goes that um there was no netflix and tv around in his day uh and so what people used to put on was charlie Chaplin impersonation competition. So you got dressed up and you came along and did your best Charlie Chaplin sort of, you know, uh, impersonation. 
Anyway, Charlie Chaplin, as the story goes, decides um, one day he might like to enter one of these competitions to see how he goes. <laughs> he came third. Yeah, anyway. But Jesus' arrival, you see, Jesus' arrival at Christmas, it's not some God imitation. It's not an imitation of God turning up. He's the real deal. Jesus cannot be more God in the flesh, in himself. Which is why to come and know Jesus and keep getting to know Jesus more and more fully, it's how we enter into the knowledge of God and the joy of God. And what does Isaiah say would happen when God's peace king arrived there in verse 5? Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Will come running to you. I've never seen people run so hard to get to the supermarket three, you know, three weeks ago on the Wednesday. Like I, I went down there to just pick up a couple of things and I just kept driving. <laughs> it was thought, well, I'm not going in there. Um, but the, you know, the four Gospels report that since King Jesus' arrival, people of all nations actually have been running to him. I don't know if you picked this up in the reading of the Gospels. See, as a baby, it was three kings, three magi, who, who travelled a long way to come. And worship this king. Luke 2 has some shepherds coming to wonder and worship. As a man, in John chapter 12, it was Greeks coming to Jesus, which, which is when Jesus knew that the hour of his death to die for the sins of the world had arrived. Since Jesus' death and resurrection, the last 2,000 years, of course, all sorts of people from all nations have been running to Jesus as they've heard the call of the gospel through the very simple and ordinary faith sharing of his followers people like you and i and of course they're still coming and how they need to come but that brings us to thinking um for a few minutes just about how it is that individuals coming to jesus uh can can bring world peace if you like uh, god's peace for the world it's this way verses 6 to 13 that's our second point uh verse 6 and 7 Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. You see, you hear, like if you want to come, what do we have to do if we want to come to Jesus? Well, it's a bit like coming to any uh, relationship. As you know, Codo decided that Jules was, was the one for him. He had to let go of the idea, but the reality um, of pursuing any other relationships. And, and to make Jules his goal, and he did. Could I live with us for three months? And, uh, and once, he, once he got his heart and his head set on, yep, she's the one. Again, and we know what that's like. We've all experienced it, isn't it? You know, whether it's um, chasing that thing, that, you know, and, and the distractions fall by the wayside, distract, chasing a relationship, a person, uh, whatever it is. We've all done it, and we all do it. And so it's that language, if you're going to seek the Lord, you need to forsake those things. You've got to literally let go of those things that are holding us back and distracting us from more wholeheartedly coming to Jesus. Seek, forsake, turn. And what is God's promise for those who will come? Dragging our, you know, our suitcases of moral failures and fears and insecurities. I mean, what's, wow, what sort of reception are we going to get? What's God's promise? Mercy. And my sure pardon. You will always receive mercy and my sure pardon. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon.
And how has God achieved this pardon? Of course, Isaiah 55 comes after that beautiful mountaintop chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, uh, where the servant king, uh, he suffers in our place. From verse 5 we read, Jesus was pierced on behalf of our transgressions. He was crushed on behalf of our iniquities. God's punishment that brought us peace was put on him, Jesus. By his wounds, we are healed. Don't know if you, it's funny language today, the idea of a pardon, you know, pardon me, you know, excuse me. Um, but there's still, the sort of pardon that's on view here in Scripture, they actually still happen today. Um, I'll try and illustrate what a pardon is here. It's uh, with, with a guy called Bob Sheffield. So one, one night, Bob got into a brawl and he ended up in jail. In a, in a fight and it was charged uh, it was pretty minor he, he could let out the next day he didn't think anything else about it for the next 30 years until Bob applied for immigrant status in the United States for work reasons uh, and of course any sign of a criminal record um, you can't get entry into the United States it's just how it works and there was nothing that he could do to change this there was no amount of money there was just nothing that was it sorry can't come in his only option was to apply for a queen's pardon. A queen's pardon. You literally write a letter explaining everything that's happened and that you're requesting a, a pardon literally from the queen, which we can still do in this country. Um, and they do the research. And it, look, it was about three months later that Bob received the letter back, all the royal you know, signature on it. And this is a part of what the letter said. Now know ye therefore having taken these things into consideration that we are willing to extend the royal clemency on him, the said Robert J. Sheffield. We have pardoned, remitted and released him of every penalty to which he was liable in pursuance thereof. You just love legal language, don't you? Why do they, why do, they do that? <laughs> like, anyway, anyway, from that moment on, whenever Bob was asked if he had a criminal record, if he'd ever had a criminal record, he could say no. Why? Because it had been completely erased as if it had never existed in the first place. That's what a pardon is. At the heart of it, it's a legal changing from guilty to non-guilty as if it never happened. And that is what is at the heart of the cross and the peace that Jesus is offering us and people that we're in relationship with. The Apostle Paul, he beautifully sums this up in Colossians 1. Um, it's the pardon and the peace that Jesus died for. Colossians 1 verses 19 and 20, I've got it there in our outline. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. And so three closing confidence builders just from the end of this chapter three closing confidence builders to actually trust god's word here as we come out of a year like no other the first confidence builder is this about scripture about the power of god's word that this word from god it really is the big picture we need you see we've only got this little you know seeing things little perspective god sees the big picture he sees the micro but he sees the big picture and God's word here in scripture, it's the big picture we need. What does he say, verses 8 and 9? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts 
than your thoughts. And thank the Lord that they are so much higher <laughs> than ours. You see, only God sees the big picture of history and the world. Only God sees the whole truth about your life and mine. He is the one we cannot run from. It's pointless trying to hide stuff from the God who sees all. Only God's way can give us the peace we yearn for. And God's way of pardon and peace. In a million years, we never would, would come up with this way, that this is the only way we could bring peace to the world, through the cross of a sinless, suffering Son of God, a King. To die in our place, that we might be freely pardoned and be able to hop on without cost, to board God's peace train in Jesus. And so the second confidence builder from God's word is this. That there is no more powerful or potent word. And this word is irrevocable. It's unstoppable. God's peace purposes. He is and he will achieve his peace purposes through his word. As you know, a number of you know, a few weeks back, Gita and I were lucky to get away with some friends camping up in the Flinders Ranges. It was just after the big rains. And uh, as you know, there's a fair bit of red dirt up there. Um, oh, I've just never seen this dry landscape just sprinkled so beautifully with fresh growth and grass and the wildflowers. Like, wow, wow. And that's God's point here in verses 10 and 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Jesus turning up 700 years um, after this word, it's, it's God making good on his promise. Jesus going to his cross to pay the cost for our sin. God making good on his word. God always makes good on his word. But what will it be like and what is it like to be on the receiving end of this word? that just It brings life in dry and barren places. Well, it's unstoppable, it's unending cosmic peace. Verses 12 and 13. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Now, I don't know about you, but I think a whole lot of us could do with a bit more joy, <laughs> given the year that's been. And I'm sure our neighbours, our friends could as well. But the joy is something that we can't manufacture. It comes from entering in and knowing this peace of God, getting on God's peace train in Jesus. And this will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign, which will not be destroyed. And then we read, trying to capture you know, this, this peace for the whole cosmic universe that God is bringing in Jesus. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree. Instead of the briar, the myrtle will grow. Again, hinting, taking us all the way back to Genesis 3. When God's judgment fell on Adam and Eve and all humanity and they were turfed out of the garden to live life out in the world of weeds and briar and myrtle. and See, here is God saying that in the arrival of this one is the unravelling, the undoing and more of my judgment on sin in the world. The whole world as we know it is going to be caught up and transformed as individual people hop on board God's peace train in Jesus. 
And so a couple of practical things just for you to think about is, like just it's mind-blowing to think that just every time we choose to be godlike in our mercy and we forgive the unforgivable, we forgive those who sin against us, with that same reconciling mercy, debt-clearing, I will no longer remember what you've done, mercy. As God enables us to forgive like this, so we become agents, we become part of God's peace for the whole world. It's mind-blowing to think that every time we share God's gospel of peace with a fellow human being, we are sharing the most powerful, the most life-changing, the most cosmic-impacting message of reconciliation known to humanity that puts peace marches and all sorts like in the museum. This is how we bring peace to an unpeace world. So friends, as we sing Christmas carols and sit down to our Christmas feasts for work and family, um, may God give each of us the compassion, the courage to be this sort of peacemaker, this Christmas especially, that's going to be like no other. At Christmas, remember that God's peace in Jesus, it, it isn't reduced to an absence of strife. Or uh, God's peace isn't some sort of peaceful psychological state of calmness. Uh, no, it's a peace revolution. It's relational revolution like no other. Individuals for the whole world. As Isaiah 55, it's God's roadmap to, to peace, long promised. A peace the angels of heaven declared has come in Jesus, a peace the Apostle Paul explains has been won by Jesus' death on the cross. But God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things on heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And I reckon that it might be you here this morning if you're thinking... You're still standing on the platform. <laughs> or maybe you've realised you've been you're standing on the wrong platform. You've got to swap platforms. <laughs> but for a number of us, maybe it's like, you know, one leg on the train, one with, with you know, we haven't quite holus bolus hopped on board, God's peace train. Well that's the invitation this Christmas. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much. Since before eternity, uh, this peace has been a part of your eternal plans for us uh, and the cosmos, for this world. And uh, thank you. It's so clearly promised in Scripture, but even more so clearly and abundantly fulfilled in the arrival of your Son and his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his reigning at your right hand. And thank you. You've given us the message of reconciliation to be your ambassadors. Please help us, we pray, this Christmas, wherever we are, to always be ready and prepared to be this sort of a peacemaker, willing to, to forgive but willing to share this message of love and hope and peace. We pray this for our, uh, for our good, for, for the salvation of the many around us and for your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.